3: Welcome to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol, here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marchione, and how are you?
2: I'm doing well, and I'm looking forward to this conversation two years in the making, perhaps, about control freaks and perfectionism. Yeah, yeah. We were discussing just before we started the podcast episode that as we are recording this, we are in the beginning of a mercury retrograde, which has the reputation for affecting communications. So we'll just see how that works. (laughs)
3: You know, that's kind of, (laughs) when you say that's kind of spooky because what I'm hearing is like a fuzzy sound and the Mercury retrograde might be retrograding doing its thing. It could be. But if you say it's okay.
2: What the heck do I know? This is me giving up my perfectionism and control freak card. It's like, we're going to do the best we can. And see what okay. happens. And if it works great, okay. then we'll be very happy. And if it works mediocre, then the guy in Bosnia who's editing this is going to have some extra work to do. And if it doesn't work at all, then it's like, it appears 60-some episodes in that you and I can continue talking and do this again. So there you go.
3: We're good. No matter how it works. We're good. It's, there's
2: not a quota on our words, apparently.
3: Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: I told you our joke from ministry class. What does it mean when a minister looks at his watch? Mm-hmm. Nothing. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to keep right on talking. That's exactly right. (laughs) Just keep,
3: you know, say, well, you know, I'm getting ready to finish right now. You know, that is not happening.
2: There's six or seven wrap ups on some of those talks. Anyway, let's talk for a moment about you and your control freak card, because when we first met a couple of years ago in 2020, you acknowledged and admitted and proudly claimed that you are a card carrying control freak.
3: That is exactly my words. How about that? Come right back at me. I remember
2: them. And I remember what I thought at the time. But first, I'm going to ask you what you thought at the time and what you meant then. So, back into the time tunnel and recall what that meant for you two years ago.
3: So, it just meant to me that I was doing what I was supposed to do. And I make sure that what's supposed to happen happens. Let me say it a different way. I am wired, I know this, to lead because that's how it always works. I don't have to try. It's just that it's suddenly I'm in it mm-hmm. and I have no problem with it. Every position I've held pretty much has always ended up, if I wasn't the leader today, the, the first day by the end of the week, <laughs> I was. <laughs> you know, actually, I gave an awful lot of time and energy to reading about leadership and how you do it without damaging people, going for consensus and still doing it what has to be done, then blah, 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 all of that. Because I really am sensitive to people on the journey. You want everybody to get there and get there well, mm-hmm. whatever that is. But sometimes you have to make decisions and everybody doesn't feel well about it. So even though I don't deny that I was <laughs> <laughs> a control freak, I said that. But, you know, I never felt like that's what it was. I just thought, you know, I'm showing up like God. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And my big thing is like try not to step on anybody's feet while you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Now, that was the big thing. Stepping into this position wasn't bad. Just making sure that you don't do damage to other people. That's a bigger thing.
2: Yep, And I got to say also that in a lot of people's minds, their synonyms, the words boss, manager and leader all mean the same thing. And they don't. And the place where that becomes apparent really early on is in a volunteer organization, especially a church. Because in a volunteer organization, you don't have any bosses. You know, if the boss gets a little onerous, it's like, I'm doing this for free because I like it and now I'm not liking it that much, so I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, the reason that bosses in work setting get to be jerks is because they're paying people to be treated by a jerk. (laughs) And it's just got to be enough to make it worth their while. So a manager is somebody who has people or a task that's being handled and they're in charge of delegating out how that's going to work. And that's much more of an interactive sort of a thing because what the lower level workers don't understand is that the manager is responsible for getting the job done and needs them to do it because otherwise the manager has to do it him or herself. That works in a volunteer organization and in a business in a paid position. Mm -hmm. Then you throw in a spiritual organization or a church and the people who are there take ownership because this is their church. This is their community. This is their group and their posse, and they have something to say about it. So leading a group like that, I think has all of the characteristics you're talking about, having to be very gentle and Mm -hmm. (laughs) build consensus and say things that sound like an opening statement rather than a directive.
3: Indeed. But I think I always (laughs) (laughs) carried the attitude and posture in the description that you just described in the third scenario, I think it was. I always felt that even in a paid position, that if you help people see ownership of it in some way, there will be a greater level of cooperation and excitement and energy around doing it, even if it's not yours. For example, early, early on in my corporate life, you know, I probably was a little too young to be in corporate America at the time because I knew nothing about nothing. But anyway, I was there. And one guy said to me, he said, Carol, don't make the project more important to you than it is to the company. You know, that helped a lot, but I also kept that in mind with other people. It does need to mean something to you, even if it's not your project and you're not getting paid for it and, you know, everything's happening on in the ivory tower. Your input, so to speak, or your buy-in, you know, your excellence is what makes this project excellent. And without you, without your personal buy-in that you get to take home, it's not going to be what it should be. So, you know, I always look at it like that everybody has a part in everything at every scenario you know yeah so in church it's our church that's the easy one (laughs) (laughs) it's our church and they people don't mind telling you yep okay so when you when you direct
2: somebody to do something it should have a smile and a please attached to it because they don't have to even if they're going to anyway
3: i think to me that was the trickiest one not because in corporate america or other positions I'm paid to do this and you're paid to follow this. I mean, you know, that's very mechanical. But in the volunteer situation, that takes exceptional skill that I'm not very even sure. Let me be clear. I'm not very sure I ever had that that particular skill because that's a hard group to lead. It is yours, but there is a way to make it. Let's find that together. So it seems- Say that one more time, (laughs) but
2: there's a way to make that. The audio is dropping out. This is the Mercury retrograde. (laughs)
3: Okay. <laughs> yeah. This is your church. That is true. And you have dreams about it. But there is a better place even than what you see. There may be a possible better way of getting there. It's not being taken from you, but let's explore different ways of getting to what you want. You know, that can take quite a bit longer.
2: Yeah. I, I was in the graphics business and I got hired to computerized, say, graphics department. This is where they were cutting things apart with razor blades and pasting them onto to background paper with wax. And it was my job to take this all and put it on the computer, which was an area of expertise that I had at the time. This is the early 90s. And along the way, I told all of the employees who were working with the waxer and, you know, with the razor blades and the blue pencils and stuff like that. I said, as we move into this process, I want you to identify what it is that you think you'd be good at, what it is that you'd enjoy doing. And let me know. So we have a conversation about putting you into the position that you're going to be the most comfortable with. And oh, by the way, if it turns out that this isn't for you and that this you don't want to do any of this, then please let me know because there's a lot of other opportunities around town. We can find a place where you can do what you want to do there. And my boss's boss was the VP of marketing and he blew his lid. He said, you told them they could leave. How can we get this job done without them? How could you tell them they could leave? I said, this is America. Of course they can leave. <laughs> 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 you know, and what I did is I said, if you're going to leave, let me know before we have to fill your space, you know, in a day, you because know? you just walked. And I mean, the funniest part about that is I was at that job for probably two or three years and my boss was at that job for five or six years and his boss was at that job for seven or eight years. And the two people he was most concerned about leaving were, one was there for 20 years and the other one's still there. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah. The idea of being a control freak, I often look at that and say, what exactly is a control freak? What is it you come in and you make people do certain things and it has to be turned out the way that you think it should turn out and blah, blah, blah. And I'll be very honest with you, that's the headline most of the time in my thoughts. But I always understand, always, always understand that it's not going to happen like that because I say so mm-hmm. or because I had a vision You know, I see it, but now I got to figure out how to get us there. I keep telling myself in the past, in the past, (laughs) you are in control of this. You got to make this right. You got to make this right. And it would make me stay up and try to figure out different ways to make something go the way that I thought it should. I think I was good at it because I don't step on people. I as whole as possible and happy as possible because we all do it, but somebody's gotta be the leader. You agree?
2: Oh, absolutely. Let's take a break, and when we continue, we will talk about the difference between perfection and excellence.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Get inspiration in an instant. God Calls are the gentle and uplifting moment of truth to help you remember that the bright light of God's love is shining right now, as you. It's
1: your God Call with Rev. Bill.
0: Start your two-week free trial today, and you'll get a phone call four times a week from Rev. Bill with an uplifting half-minute message filled with insight, wisdom, story, and fun.
2: Let your light shine.
0: You can answer the call to listen to it live, or let it go to voicemail so you can hear it later. After the free trial, your subscription is just five ninety five a month. The details are at GodCall.org. God Calls are disruptive, intentionally.
2: Whenever you write something, put on a gold star.
0: They take you away from your routine to remind you about the truth of who you really are. They come at random times between 8.15 a.m. and 6 p.m., so you won't be expecting them. And somehow, the message is exactly what you need to hear at the time.
2: Magic is loose in the
0: world. It's a moment of motivation in the middle of your day. Find out more and start your two-week free trial now.
3: Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol Lawrence here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni. And
2: you should have seen your expression like I was pushing your button when I mentioned talking about the difference between perfection and excellence. Oh, my goodness. It was like the light bulb went off for you.
3: Well, I don't know if you're going to help me Beth, because you mentioned this one of the times we talked about this. We have talked about this. And I thought, yeah, and I thought, uh, let's go. I I need a little bit more, so go with it. Okay. Let's go.
2: When, and I'll put it into the context of when we are enlisting and enrolling other people in doing the project that we're working on, what mm-hmm. we can enlist them in is creating something excellent, helping us mm-hmm. to bring some excellence into being. And that's a group effort. Perfection is when we have a vision of something and we know exactly how it has to be. And when we enroll other people in that or they volunteer for it, and then it's our perfectionist nature that keeps on telling them how far from good they are and how whatever it is that's happened so far doesn't measure up, then it can be a downer. My perfect way of talking about this, and we've heard of, heard this probably more than once, is the ivory soap, you know, 99 and 44, 100% pure. Because when I first heard that in my perfectionist mind, I said, what's the other 56, 100%? Because mm-hmm. they don't have it. <laughs> They're almost there, but they don't have it. I don't know what's wrong with their soap. And if you start there and the boss is saying, let's talk about that 56 one hundredths of a percent that is under question, they're throwing away the entire 99 and 44 one hundredths. That's perfectly good, pure X, Y, or Z. And excellence means, man, we got 99.5% of the way there. Good for us. Now, maybe we want to work together and see what we can do that's going to be next, and it's going to be uplifting. The difference to me between excellence and perfection is with excellence, you're congratulating each other on the progress that you've made. And with perfection, you're using the cattle prod or the whip to make it faster, stronger, better, higher, 100%.
3: Yeah, I see that. I do. I think I see it in two different spaces because, yeah, I think when I work with people or have worked with people, I appreciate if you bring your best to the effort, then the result is excellent because you are operating out of your zone of excellence right, or your place of excellence. And I appreciate that more than anything else, really. But now when it comes to perfection, that's me. That's on my side. Mm-hmm. That doesn't have anything to do with okay. you. You know what I mean? So I'm never going to put demands on somebody else that I put on myself. Now whether I put too many on myself, that's another story. <laughs> that's, you know, somebody might say you shouldn't, but I put demands on me because I know what I am capable of. And if it is less than, I look at what's missing here. What causes? Were you too tired? Mm-hmm. Did you get lazy and didn't research it one more time? And you know that, right? I'm oh, thinking yeah. about, yeah, some of the work that I've given you. Oh, yeah
2: the nice lengthy descriptions of the history of new thought that went into your papers. And when we're going for perfection ourselves, I know what I want and the whole team is working on this and whatever it is that somebody else doesn't do, I can take that on myself. And that way we can be involved in the pursuit of excellence and also perfectionism. But tell me if you've ever had the experience where you've taken on one more thing than you really could handle and you get overwhelmed in your own bandwidth. Has that ever happened to you, Carol?
3: (laughs) Yes. Yes, of course. And you know I had to deal with those feelings of, first of all, I just have to say that I think I'm so grateful for New Thought and everything that I'm continuing to learn because it keeps me from beating myself up. When I fall short of my own standard, first of all, I look at it and say, listen, what's happened here? And like I said, if i tired, mm-hmm. was I too anxious? For instance, the work that I sent to you that might have been overboard, <laughs> I didn't know who was on the other end, who's reading this. If I give you a short paragraph, okay, Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni might say, I know she's got it because I know her, I talked to mm-hmm. her. But other people that don't know me know nothing. So they could look at that and say, well, you know, she flipped that off as something that she heard. No, if it's important to me, it's important to make sure that I give you my absolute 100% best. You know, if I do less than that, then I'm like, what? You, what's going on here? Mm. Like you, you know, I made a mistake. That I did for you, and you pointed it out to me. And I was like, my first impulse was just to faint. <laughs> 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 and then you said you were doing cut and paste, and so it was obvious. I said, okay, all right. It wasn't criminal, Lawrence. <laughs>
2: I saw what the the error was because there's a table on both sides of the table was exactly the same entry. And it was like, it's this or that. And they both had the same answer. So obviously one of them got copied and pasted into the other column and you didn't update it.
3: And I didn't update And You know, when you said it, I was, oh my God, what the people that look at this must think I'm crazy. I don't know which one it was. And I went back to it and I, you know, sometimes you don't save and you send out the one that the old copy or something like, and I said, you know what, it's okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Yeah. But it's wanting the best outcome.
2: Yeah. There were two bigger picture things that were going on there. One of the bigger picture things, and you get to acknowledge this yourself, is that the people who are reading your paper are pretty smart people as well. And take me out of the equation, but I noticed what you had done, what the mistake was, and how the wrong thing got copied and pasted in there. And my guess is that the people who are reading and evaluating your contribution would look at that and say, oops. There is a typographical technical mistake here, not she doesn't know something. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I did is I intentionally didn't tell you that you had done that until <laughs> until they had already read it and accepted <laughs> it and given you credit for it. So there was no need to go back and proofread the document again, because I know that that canceled control free card of yours is still right there in the drawer. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh, you're sorry, because, you know, when you said it was after the fact, I'm like, well, you could have told me and I would have went in and fixed it and just sent it right to you. <laughs> right.
2: And right to the people, because it's already been submitted to Emerson Institute. You would have sent it right back to them. And to my way of thinking, they would have said, oh, she fixed a copy and paste mistake. And now I have to read the whole thing again. Come on. Come on. Back off. Because we know 56, 100 percent of typo. is like it's still a darn fine piece of work. <laughs>
3: But you know what? It also has to do with where you come from, orientation to doing things like I come from where things have to be. You know, I wasn't allowed to go to bed if there was any erasure marks on my homework. So I had to fix it or do the whole page over without whiteout and all that, which we didn't have stuff like we have nowadays. That's all in there, too. Mm Going forward, a typo could cost you points, which could make your grade point average go from, you know, 3.5 to 3.2. So it's, it's just a different world. I feel like I'm dealing with human beings sometimes now. <laughs> and that's so refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would laugh.
2: Way back in the good old days, we got a button for a keyboard where instead of just having an A or a B or an F or a Z on it or whatever, it said DWIM, which is do what I mean.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and the idea was you could just put that somewhere on your keyboard, and when you press that button, it'll just do what you mean. Wouldn't that be nice? You know, like whatever.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be so
2: nice. Yeah. And maybe that's what artificial intelligence is all about. Who knows? Do what I mean. Let's take another break and then continue the discussion and with a little bit of a prayer on doing what I mean and setting that intention, that expectation, and inviting something in that way.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Learn to put practical prayer to work in your life. The steps are simple to learn and let you begin to get real results to create the life of your dreams immediately. Reverend Bill Marchione's widely acclaimed book, Practical Prayer for Real Results, gives you a clear summary of the new thought principles behind practical prayer and the series of easy to understand steps found in the most effective prayers from religions and spiritual practices all over the world and throughout history. Practical prayer is not a replacement for your religion or practice. It's a technique to make the work you do in consciousness even more effective. The book includes 40 prayers on various topics that you can adapt as needed and use as your own. Practical Prayer for Real Results is available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook on Amazon or at b-the-light.com. That's b-the-light.com.
3: Welcome back to the Practical Parent Podcast. I'm Carol Lawrence here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni. We were
2: talking a little bit about the difference between excellence and perfection, the difference between knowing exactly how we want something to go versus how we want something to feel. And mm. spent a lot of time working with teens and the teens in a lot of cases are perfectly okay with, oh yeah, like whatever. And on the other side of the spectrum, what I'm teaching with practical prayer is that you really need to be specific. <laughs> if you yeah, if you do a yeah. prayer and you say that infinite creative <laughs> power that creates everything that has created me is allowing me to create my next new experience. And I am now claiming, you know, like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of need to be okay with whatever happens. Oh,
3: <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So, <laughs>
2: hitting a little close to home there. So,
3: this needs to be an episode by itself.
2: <laughs> so, and we sometimes in classes we talk about if you go onto Amazon. There's millions of items and you can choose exactly the one you want, the size that you want, the variation, the color, the delivery period, all the rest of that. You can be very specific. And what will happen is you click the button and in some period of time, up will show whatever it was that you had selected. Now, Mm -hmm. I've returned stuff to Amazon. I have been woefully disappointed with some of the things that showed up when I was expecting one thing and showed up being something different. Every once in a while, I'll order something and they'll send me something that was not at all what I ordered. And then we get to work that out. But I'm not in the position where I'm gonna go onto Amazon and try to find a button that says, send me something nice, because Mm -hmm. I am giving away all of my power to define what I consider to be nice. Mm -hmm. So, There's that balance point. On the one hand, I'm part of a system where I want to be in the flow of whatever the good is happening. And I want to be specific about the good that I'm looking for, but I also don't want to be so controlling that the good has to show up like this, looking like this, being like this, the love coming into my life from that particular person on this particular schedule. So what we want to be able to do, and this is the prayer that we're doing today, is about stepping back a little bit from our need to specify exactly how something is going to happen. And be much more aware of the texture and the tone and the feeling and the flavor of what that's like when it arrives. And that's the prayer of do what I mean. So it's not going to be done as I say it's going to be done. What I mean is when this is done, I want to feel like this. I want to have this sort of an experience in my life. If the prayer is for love, then I want to have that loving, connected relationship or the peace in my family. If it's about health and vitality, I want to know that I or whoever it is that I'm doing a prayer for is returning to their place of health and comfort now and that all the pieces are fitting together just right. It works for our prosperity and our supply and our experience of enoughness in the world, it works with our creativity, with our jobs, with our friends, with our communities, with our government, it works in all sorts of different ways. And that control freak tendency to say, this is what I want, and this is how it's going to look, and here it's how it's going to show up, works against our ability to participate with that infinite creative power, because it's going to do all the work. And if we're sitting there holding on to it, trying to control it, then it doesn't have the latitude to do what is that we want it to have done.
3: Okay, so I want to make sure I'm clear and if I'm going to be clear, I know other other people want to as well. So what you're saying is that we need to be clear about the feeling that we want, not necessarily itemizing how it should turn out, but we need to be clear about the feeling that we want to have. Yeah,
2: the feeling and the experience that we're wanting to have. So for example, if there's somebody who uh, feels himself to be 40 pounds overweight, I'm saying this one from personal experience, what I want to do is be 40 pounds lighter instead of just having that focus on, you know, I want to be on this health regimen that's going to make me 40 pounds lighter. What I want to do is focus on what my life is like once that's happened. So I'm going to get the mm-hmm. feeling of what am I going to be wearing and not so that I can specifically go to the store and buy that thing, but what sorts of things do I wear? How do I feel? What does mm-hmm. my body feel like? How do I move when I'm having that new experience? Because we get to embody that. And if it shows up in a slightly different order or sequence than we had in mind, that's okay. Mm-hmm because what's happening is that new experience is coming to us and it might be exactly what we had in mind and it might be completely different. It might be a different timetable than we had thought of and that doesn't mean it might take longer. It might be a lot quicker than we thought. Oh, this is going to take me a year. Well, it could happen in four months. Mm -hmm. How I don't, it's not on my business. How (laughs) that's above my pay grade. I don't care how, because that's what we're letting go of is the how part. So we get to press that, do what I mean button and invite the infinite to create that next new experience for us. So as you're comfortable, go ahead and close your eyes or turn away from the world around you. Go to a soft focus so that we can let loose our attachment to the stuff that surrounds us and open to that infinite creative power and presence, that divine source that shares itself as and through and in all of its creation, that one. It's God. It's nature. It's spirit. It's the Big Bang. It's sweetie. It's George. It's whatever it is that we call it. It is that which was there at the beginning of everything and continues to express and reveal and share and unfold itself as all of its creation. and everyone is an expression of that one that one mind is expressed as the mind individualized in each of us each of us sitting here separately it is each of us sitting here individualizing that one power and presence and inviting that infinite creative power to create something new and wonderful for us so we are each in our own way letting go of our attachment to the specifics of how something is going to come together we're Laying our control-free card aside so that we can be open to a brand new possibility. So we can invite in something new and let that infinite creative power that knows how to create galaxies, that has created life itself, allow that power to create this newness for us. And it works. It always works. That is the process that has worked since the very beginning of time. As we let go of our attachment, as we open ourselves up to newness, we make a claim upon that infinite creative power. And it says yes. And it says Yes and that newness and that goodness and that uplift is ours. In rich and new and wonderful ways, sometimes as good as we could have imagined, and even better. So that's what I'm claiming now for each of us. I'm grateful for the wonderful way that it's showing up. I'm grateful to know that there's no power in the universe that stands in opposition to this. I'm grateful for the good and the more good and the more good that's flowing forth for and through and as each of us. And so with gratitude for this good, I speak this word and I release it into that creative law, that one that has always said yes, And I know without question, doubt, or hesitation, that it once again is saying yes. And so I let it be. And so it is. Amen.